Japanese corporations. These days, all kinds of gift boxes are readily available, either through order online or even sometimes ready to buy right off the shelf. These changing tastes and customs don't really bother Sam for one. Despite all the variations we've mentioned today, the classic mooncake isn't going anywhere. When it comes to the mid autumn festival, the associations are just too deep. But as Sam sees it, seasonal gift boxes are, after all, just a polite way of keeping in touch with a business acquaintance, saying hi to the neighbors, or just letting someone know that you're thinking of them. As in all gift giving, he says, it's really just the thought that counts. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Shannon Zen is an engineer turned yoga instructor. She used to live in New Zealand and Australia and had a great engineering job there. After 10 years, her boss said she needed to take a break and spend more time with her family in Taiwan. So she originally was going to take a year off, but that one year turned into four years now. When she was figuring out what to do here, her mom told her she needs to exercise. So she tried yoga and realized her body is really stiff. Little did she know that she would fall in love with yoga, particularly aerial yoga, and now her body is as pliable as anything. She is now an avid certified yoga instructor. Let's hear the rest of her story. All right, so then、um, where did you go from there? Because you got serious. Otherwise, you wouldn't be a, a certified yoga instructor now. What happened? So、um, I basically go to、uh, class every day, every single every day. Every day. Yes, every <laughs> single day. That's how much、day. you loved it. Including the weekends? Yes, most of the time. But I like to go to a morning class,、uh-huh. like early morning class, maybe、yeah. like 7 30、yeah. or 8 30 class. So I, I feel like energetic. After I exercise. Oh, yeah. Yes. So I start to talk to my instructors. Yeah. And then she decided she's going to go to India for three months.、Uh-huh. And she, she's asking me, like, if I'm so interested in yoga or area yoga, why don't I try to get a, become an instructor? Yes, a certified instructor. And sub for her. Yes. <laughs> so I said, okay, no problem. So, yeah. So I went and did it. When we first met, you were saying, I was asking, Well, tell me about yourself.、Yes. And you were saying that、uh, you're into women empowerment. Yes. What do you mean by that? A woman empowerment is women supporting women by speaking up their mind and then supporting them to do what they really want to do、mm-hmm. or help them to figure out what they want to do. What brought you to this mentality? Okay. And you were telling me、yeah. that women empowerment does not equal to feminism. I think some people now they try to turn feminists to、uh, woman empowerment now. So a lot of people they have a very stereotype like a female overpower to male, which is not true because biologically we build different. So by speaking up your mind, it, it's not about negative about male. It's about how you can become a better self.、Um, a lot of people, like a lot of my students these days, the, the reason why I really want to、uh, get into like woman empowerment is because 
my students. I do have a lot of students. They came to my class because they want to lose weight. They want to have a better body figures so they can please men or they can get a boyfriend. And、um, they start stop coming to my class when they get into a relationship. You know, like when that relationship ends, they they came back. Really.、Um, How much more do you want others to control your life? I'm not saying like everything. It's you know matters to others. You know like each others. But you need to stand your ground firmly. But do you know what you want? So by that, I don't think any man can really understand what a woman needs. Uh huh. So woman knows what woman needs. This is interesting because you were saying earlier on you're you're actually an introverted person. Yes. But then on the other hand, you're a very sensitive, observant person. Yes. Because you were saying that you know when you were at your engineering job, you're always quick at figuring out where the flaws are. Yes. That other people don't notice.、Mm-hmm. You know, and here. I think you would not have known that these students of yours,、yeah. who I'm sure have become your friends,、yes. um, that you realize what their problems are,、mm-hmm. and you tell it gently that you know what the problem is, and that you don't want them to continue to hurt themselves that way. Yes,、right? yes. So spot、yeah. the problems, and then you can figure out how to solve the problems.、Mm. Yes. So, what advice do you give to these people that? These students that you have, who you know are going through these, you know,、um, um, problems of、um, finding, what yeah, finding,、want. yeah, finding what they want and finding a relationship that they want and、mm-hmm. and not finding it, and then you know, hating their own body and things like that, right? Yeah. Well, I don't really suggest them. I don't want to be, you know, like you know, advisor, right? Too yes, pushy. Yes. yes. I was just saying, like, hey,、um, you. You seems a little bit like you know down or whatever today. Are you okay? Ah, because people don't always want to share. Yes,、yeah. a lot of women, if they work in like as like a lawyer or they they work in a in a very competitive industry, they have this strong ego and then also they have this strong mind that they don't want people to see their weakness.、Hmm. So I will wait until they are willing to share. Hmm. Um, give them time and space. Some people they they tend to share more. Some people they will wait for maybe like three months, six months before they will open up to you. Right before they feel they trust you. Yes,、yeah. yes, and trust need to be built.、Hmm. It's more of like I would always let them know. Physically, I will always be there when they were on the hammocks. I'm always there to protect them. I let them feel like. I'm here, so if you don't feel safe, if you feel insecure, it's okay to come down. Uh huh. It's okay to let me know how you feel,、uh, because I'm not in your life. I don't think I I can give give you like a better advice, but at least I think you have someone that you can like. Talk to,、mm-hmm. and that someone listen to what、mm-hmm. you're trying to to say. So I think listening is something that's very important these days. People tend to speak up their minds a lot.、Mm, definitely, wow, that's amazing. You, you know, I'm sure <laughs> they appreciate you as their instructor because you don't just teach; you really care about them. I、know? do. Yeah.、Yes. <laughs> wow. How many students do you have in a class at a time? Uh, it depends on different studios. Okay,、um, can go from. Oh, wait, wait! You're not just only teaching one particular studio. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. I, I teach in three studios. Uh huh. Yeah. So one and can go from seven to seventeen. 
other than your yoga classes, what do you do with the rest of your time? I like photography. <laughs> oh, I, I hope you don't mind me telling my listeners. Yeah. But um, you actually were a singer at one time. Yeah. Not like, you know, totally professionally, but... You were assigned to a record company. Yes. Actually, two. Yeah. <laughs> They don't know what to do about me, so. <laughs> But now you're telling me that you're into photography. But there's also something interesting about Shannon is that she said that she has sort of like the mindset of more like a male because yeah. you can only focus on one thing at a time. Yes. And maybe that's why you surprised me because you focused on one thing. And then, and then I thought, okay, so that's done. Oh, now you're in on yoga. Okay, great. So then, you know, so you're going to be doing yoga for the rest of your life. No, you're now into photography. Yes. Yeah, okay. I like to go to like exhibitions. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay. You're a photographer to the point where you're really studying and you're serious about turning this into maybe a second job or something? Uh, well, I like to take photos for my students. You know, oh. like how their body, you know, progress. Uh-huh. Yes. And then I try to make sure, like, I capture the best moment. Like, all the moments matter. So, like, the best shot for themselves. Right. Yeah. So, they will feel, like, how they feel beautiful is important. How other people telling them they are beautiful. Uh. It's very encouraging. Oh, wow. That is so nice. Because you were saying that the you know, area of yoga, there's no mirrors. Your taking picture is like the mirror. Yes. Wow. That is awesome. I normally uh, do the video recording. Oh, video. Yeah, because we normally do like a sequence, a short sequence. So during that video, I can tell them, okay, maybe you didn't straighten your legs. That's why your other legs can't go to the place where it should be. Right. So they can spot their problems and they can work on the muscle groups that needs to be worked on. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. Do you do photography in, in other areas uh, other food. than your food? <laughs> yeah, food. How? Like <laughs> when you go to a restaurant, you take pictures of the food you you're about to eat. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, a lot of times people do that. <laughs> yes, yes, but I don't uh, normally take a lot of times. I normally I would just pick the seats that's probably near close to the window that has the natural lights. Yes, if the lighting is not like perfect. Yeah. I'll just eat the food. Yeah. I don't really take photos and then just try to adjust everything. Uh, yeah, uh. I think like spending time with um, like people that you know you're having food with is also very important. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you've made a lot of friends since coming back to Taiwan, then. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, besides the yoga students, I mean, you've also a lot of friends. Maybe friends who have the same interest as you as in photography. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. What What's your diet like? Now that you're talking about food, you, yeah, you do watch your uh, diet, I suppose. Um, I'm not a vegan for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I think living in Australia does help me to have a clean diet. Yeah, what do you mean by that? Like, we don't eat a lot of processed food. Mmm. I keep telling my husband about that. It's so hard for him. So hard. Yeah, because for him. they like they are really tasty. Yes. And then they are everywhere in Taiwan. Like bacon. Yes. That's a processed food, right? Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure in the beginning, but I wanted to convince my husband. If the the <laughs> the food you need to, you know, like it doesn't look like what it should look like. Yeah. Then yes. <laughs> I know. Right. Like ham. You yeah. know. 
And, oh, I don't know, but it's really, really hard. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be healthy too, you know, going vegetarian. <laughs> I yeah. think if they want to try to have a better diet habit,、uh, don't do it all at once. You know, like you probably do it like one day. Mm, one day per week, yeah. Yeah, you can start there. And then because you need time to find the restaurant or the, the recipe that you like. Right. Yeah, so if you go all like every day or two or three days per week,、um, you probably won't be able to find the food that you like. And you sort of like, okay, I just give up on it. Yes. Ah,、uh, that is true. Well, so do you usually eat out or you cook yourself? You make your own? Uh, in Taiwan, because my job, like, I'm quite busy during the dinner time. I, I don't really get a dinner time. Oh, okay. Yeah, because people, when they're off work, they want to、yeah. exercise. Yeah. So I have to eat out. What's your next step in your life? Maybe, how do you see yourself in five years? Okay, I think、um, in five years, I want to be an influencer to produce good quality yoga instructors. Oh, okay, right. You're training yoga instructors right now. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Like, I want to train people that, like, with correct、uh, knowledge, they know what they are doing before they actually, you know, start doing it. Right, right. Yes. Do you really think that yoga is really the sport above all else, you think? Uh, no, uh, that's another thing. <laughs> yoga, if you lo- really look into yoga, yoga is a philosophy. Okay. Okay. And、um, yoga is something that、uh, some people they do yoga and they get into meditation, which is your brain can, can rest. Right, right. Or some people they start meditation, they feel their body is aching and then so they will start doing yoga.、Uh-huh. Okay. So it's one way or another.、Mm. But、um, just put this it's like your brain needs to rest every day.、Mm. So that's why meditation is very important. Okay. But your body n e e d to move as much as it should be. Okay. So, different t y p e of activity is good. Go up to the mountains, go under the sea,、um, do like rock climbing or running. Anything is good. Okay. And there is no good or bad exercise. It's how, you, how your body is coping.、Mm. Okay. So,、um, So, these days, people sitting like in front of their desk,、yeah. they have a lot of junk or、um, like more, more than enough information for their brains. Yeah. So, their brains d o e s n t get rest, get to rest.、Right. So, that's why people can't sleep at night. Uh huh.、Yeah. They have a very poor sleep quality. s Was that how you were when you were an engineer? <laughs> no, I don't really have a sleep problem. <laughs> But、okay. a lot of my students have. So uh, yeah. uh, that's why like, I'm helping them、mm. to have a better. So sometimes they will sleep in my class so they can, their brain can rest. Oh, okay. Yes. You mean like they fall asleep on the hammock? Yes. Yes. <laughs> really? Or even on the floor that I try to make sure all their muscles relax、uh, and they don't overthink.、Uh, they are, they, they are like, their resting is not because they are tired. They didn't sleep last night. They're tired. It's, I try to build a habit so they, when they go home, follow that process、uh, and then they can sleep better. It's been a lot of fun talking to you, Shannon. Thank you. Yeah.、Um, very interesting. You've got a lot of, a lot of good philosophy behind, behind everything. Everything you do. You yes, yes. So 
Good luck. Thank you. And I'm glad you're, you know, you're, you're here in Taiwan. You stayed on. Yes. There's every good reason why people would stay on in Taiwan. Yes. You know, so yeah. including yours. Thank you All so right. much, Shelley. Nice right. meeting you. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you. Classic shorts, poems, and stories from Chinese literature. Hello and welcome to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. The Moon Festival, or Mid-Autumn Festival, is being celebrated throughout the Chinese-speaking world this weekend. And the moon, in all its fullness, is a symbol of unity and family reunion, especially as families usually gather during the holiday to enjoy a great feast and to gaze at the moon together. Today we hear some famous poems about the moon. This one is by Li Bai, one of the greatest poets of the Tang Dynasty, and this is one of his most famous poems, Drinking Alone Under the Moon. Among the blossoms wait a jug of wine. I pour myself a drink, no loved one near. Raising my cup, I invite the bright moon and turn to my shadow. We are now three. But the moon doesn't understand drinking, and my shadow follows my body like a slave. For a time, moon and shadow will be my companions. A passing joy that should last through the spring. I sing and the moon just wavers in the sky. I dance and my shadow whips around like mad. While lucid still, we have such fun together. But stumbling drunk, each staggers off alone. Bound forever, Relentless we roam, reunited at last on the distant river of stars. That picturesque poem about drinking alone under the moon has been translated by many artists. That was a translation by David Bowles. Here's another translation by Paul Rouser. Among the flowers, a single jug of wine. I drink alone. No one close to me. I raise my cup, invite the bright moon. Facing my shadow, together we make three. The moon doesn't know how to drink, and my shadow can only follow my body. Before time, I make moon and shadow my companions. Taking one's pleasure must last until spring. I sing, the moon wavers back and forth. I dance, my shadow flickers and scatters. When I'm sober, we take pleasure together. When I'm drunk, we each go our own ways. I make an oath to journey forever free of feelings, making an appointment with them to meet in the Milky Way afar. 
In Chinese culture, the moon often inspires memories of family and longing for family. And this famous poem about the moon festival was written by Song Dynasty poet Su Su for his brother. It's called the Moon Festival. When is there moonlight? Wine cup in hand, I ask the deep blue sky. Not knowing in those celestial palaces on high what year it is tonight, I long to fly on the wind, yet dread those crystal towers, those courts of jade, freezing to death among those icy heights. Instead, I rise to dance with my pale shadow. Better off, after all, in the world of men, rounding the red pavilion, stooping to look through gauze windows. The moon shines on the sleepless. The moon should know no sadness. Why then is she always full when dear ones are parted? As men's grief and joy, parting and union, so the moon is bright or dim, waxes and wanes, always some flaw, and so it has been of old. My one wish for you is long life, and to share in this loveliness far, far away. Now, the Chinese were, of course, not the only ones to write about the moon. Here's a short poem by American poet Emily Dickinson called The Moon. The moon was but a chin of gold a night or two ago, and now she turns her perfect face upon the world below. Her forehead is of amplest blonde, her cheek like barrel stone, her eye unto the summer dew, the likest I have known. So Dickinson, like Levi, personifies the moon. And so does Annette Wynne, another American poet. This is her poem, The Moon and I. We played a game, The Moon and I. The moon was laughing in the sky. I spied her too and called aloud. But still she hid behind a cloud. Well, there should be a full moon tonight, according to the lunar calendar. So if you have a chance, go outside and enjoy it. Hope you enjoyed those poems about the moon. Happy Moon Festival. I'm Natalie So. Thanks for tuning in to Classic Shorts. This is Radio Taiwan International. You're listening to News Playlist. We've queued up some of the most interesting reports for you, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Welcome to the News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow, the program host. Taiwan celebrated the traditional Mid-Autumn Festival on Thursday. But in Yilan County, there was something different. 
Besides a local mid-autumn festival tradition that dates back 130 years, it also involved a playground favorite. But this isn't kid stuff. Who doesn't love swings? Pumping as hard as you can go while feeling the air rush through your hair? But you probably haven't seen swings quite like these. At Jiaoxi's annual swinging contest, which falls on the night of Mid-Autumn Festival, participants climb onto a giant swing set and try to kick the bell tied to a 5.5-meter-high branch as many times as they can within three minutes. This tradition is 130 years old and has grown out of a traditional form of recreation once popular among local farmers. The swings are carefully crafted from 60-year-old Chinese fir trees on Yilan's Wufengqi Mountain and are bound together only with twine. Zhen Shangtai is the winner of last year's competition. He says the best time to start pumping is when the swing is at its lowest point. Swing enthusiasts come from far and wide to watch and take part. Jai County's own swing champion, Ding Yucheng, won for swing the highest in his local contest, though he says he knows the rules are different here. Catherine Wei, RTI News. In the future, the bubbles in your cola, sparkling water, and other fizzy drinks may well come from industrial CO2 emissions. That's thanks to a new technology developed by Taiwan's Industrial Technology Research Institute. And this is only the beginning. At an ongoing trade show, the institute is showing off this and other techniques it has developed to save the environment. The Industrial Technology Research Institute is testing a radical idea at a coal-fired power plant in central Taiwan. What if you could capture CO2 emissions and, through a chemical process, turn them into something useful? Suggestions so far for products the carbon capture technology could be used to make include dry ice and even carbonation for soda. The Institute's dreamers are now showing off the results at the 2020 Circular Taiwan trade show, which opened Thursday. Alongside this at the show is a technology that uses big data to analyze industrial waste and byproducts and help turn them into reusable materials such as asphalt. Finally, there is a dye-sensitized solar cell technology that allows for solar cells much smaller than conventional panels to generate power from sunlight. The Institute says that Taiwan has limited energy resources and that these technologies will allow Taiwan to make the most of them. John Van Trieste, RTI News. The health ministry says that over 290,000 Taiwanese people now have dementia, that number grows by roughly 10,000 every year. More often than not, people discover that family members have dementia only after the early stages, a short window when they can still seek medical help. Now some new technology may be able to help detect the early signs that dementia is setting in. Could doctors soon be able to tell if patients have dementia just by asking them to raise their arms? With the right equipment, perhaps. On a screen, red dots track how good patients' balance is. If the dots flash, it means that their balance is off, a sign of early-age dementia. Doctors can also place photos of a patient's face on screen and zoom in on tiny signs of imbalance between features that might also hint at early-stage dementia. In addition to looking for physical signs, doctors will also check if patients' brain waves are slower than the average person's. 
All these tests are part of a new branch of artificial intelligence developed by Kaohsiung Municipal Datong Hospital and National Sun Yat-sen University. In particular, the project aims to spot dementia caused by Alzheimer's. Is someone in your family becoming more forgetful than usual? While it is difficult to detect early signs even for doctors, the new AI system may soon be able to help your loved ones get the diagnosis they need. Catherine Wei, RTI News. This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound. Remember the Norwegian athlete who became a star in Taiwan after winning a triathlon while wearing a hat from a central Taiwan temple? Well, he has done it again. With his lucky cap on, he has come in first in another triathlon, this time in Germany. In 2019, Norwegian athlete Gustav Aiden shot to fame in Taiwan after he won a triathlon wearing a cap bearing the name of a temple in Zhanghua County. Last weekend, Aiden won another triathlon in Rattingen, Germany, wearing the same lucky cap as he crossed the finish line. The temple proudly shared the news of Aiden's victory on its Facebook page. The temple's representative says it is thrilled with Aiden's new win. Aiden vowed to come back to Taiwan to thank the temple if he won a gold medal in the Tokyo Olympics. Obviously, due to COVID-19, that won't happen, at least not this year. But his latest win has convinced some in Taiwan that there might really be something special about this hat. Catherine Wei, RTI News. An invasive and aggressive species of fish has been living in central Taiwan's Sunmoon Lake for several years now. These fish can snap their prey in half with a single bite, leading to concerns about the safety of swimmers. But experts say the risks are low, provided swimmers stay away from their breeding grounds. The giant snakehead is native to Asia, but in Taiwan's Sunmoon Lake, it is a recent arrival. This invasive species is certainly bad news for the smaller fish it preys on. It has powerful jaws that don't let anything get away. Could it also be bad news for human swimmers? That's the question some have posed as the lake prepares to host an annual swimming event over the weekend. Compounding worries about safety is the fact that this is the time of year when the fish spawn and are thus at their most aggressive. Experts agree that the fish could indeed attack humans, but only under certain conditions. They say that in general, the giant snakehead prefers to avoid humans. And so swimmers, especially in such large numbers, should be fine, provided they avoid dark, shaded areas on the lakeshore, such as forested shoreline or piers, the places where the fish lay their eggs. John Van Trieste, RTI News. Oil painters beware. Those who have come into contact with the chemicals used in oil painting on a long-term basis could be susceptible to lead poisoning. That's after a female oil painter was found having a high level of lead in her body. Oil paintings are built with various layers, but since the paint used contains lead white, zinc white, and titanium dioxide, the chemicals could pose a health hazard if used over a long time. It could also be dangerous if paint gets stuck in one's fingernails. Recently, a female oil painter was diagnosed with a high level of lead after complaining about abdominal pain and a headache. 
Dr. Yan Zhonghai, a specialist in nephrology, says lead poisoning could cause degenerative or neurological problems or even cardiovascular diseases such as stroke and even gout. Dr. Yan says lead compounds are generally soluble in water. Drinking more water might help prevent lead poisoning. People who work in car manufacturing, welding, and painting also need to be aware, as they too have a higher chance of exposure to lead. And that's all we have for this week's edition of News Playlist. For Radio Taiwan International, I'm Paula Chow. Bye-bye. What do you know about Taiwan? I know who the president is. What about their local music and food? Well, hmm, what do you suggest? Tune in to Radio Taiwan International. Here at RTI, we offer the authentic Taiwan experience. You hear the sound of remote attractions, the local food, music, the lives of real Taiwanese as they live it. Visit english.rti.org.tw. Listen to the real Taiwan. RTI news, programs, pictures, and more online at english.rti.org.tw. Check it out. Check it out. Even the U.S. and China have not conducted many dialogues in the past one year. But uh, I think they still have uh, sufficient uh, communication channels uh, between them. So I think uh, this calculation may not take place in the Taiwan Strait. Hello and welcome to this week's online brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. There have been growing tensions between Beijing-Washington relations, especially after the COVID-19 pandemic started to sweep the U.S. Over the last two years, there has been escalation of tension between Washington and Beijing in a trade war, starting from currency manipulation to intellectual property theft. Other disputes center on economic and human rights issues. The passage of the national security law in Hong Kong this year exacerbates the problems between the two countries, and now Taiwan's problem has made the situation worse. China has for long regarded Taiwan as a renegade province and has tried to block Taiwan's efforts to play a role in the international arena. The closer relations between Taipei and Washington have angered Beijing. To find out more, we are joined today by Professor Edward Yijin Chen, a professor emeritus of Temkang University at the Department of Diplomacy and International Relations. Do you think whoever wins the election, the presidential election in the U.S. in November, the U.S. will still maintain a harder line towards China? I think uh, general election uh, is uh, one story. Post-election policy is another story. No matter who wins the, the election, the U.S. will more or less uh, change its policy toward, uh, toward China in terms of uh, wording and uh, behaviors. After all, trade and investment will continue uh, between the two giant countries in the post-election era. And uh, uh, 
decoupling will take place only uh, in the arena of uh, high tech uh, or some uh, highly competitive uh, arena between the U.S. and China. So, in a way, Professor Chen, would you say that even if uh, Biden is elected or President Trump is re-elected, the U.S.-China relations will seem to improve? In the in the post-election uh, era, no matter Trump or Biden be elected, uh, I don't think that uh, uh, they will continue to uh, maintain its uh, anti-China approach to toward China because uh, they, they have a lot of business to do, including trade, investment, and uh, uh, many things that uh, they can cooperate uh, each other in the international uh, society, including North Korean uh, nuclear crisis, uh, Iran's nuclear crisis, and other uh, uh, many potential crises. Yeah, so they will tend to cooperate uh, uh, in the post-election era. So the post-election era, that means also the end of a trade cold war between U.S. and China, in a way. And uh, earlier you mentioned, uh, Professor Chen, that the U.S. is now simply playing a Taiwan card before the election. Why? Mm-hmm. Before the election, uh, I think uh, Trump uh, enjoys uh, uh, his uh, administrative resources. He can feel free to play the Taiwan card against China because uh, playing Taiwan card against China is part of uh, his anti-China approach. And uh, this could help him to win more more votes uh, during the campaign. Uh, That is why he will continue to play the Taiwan card or the anti-China card against uh, China. And Taiwan Straits was now on the list of deteriorated situations. Now, if the situation erupted, what would happen to Washington, Beijing and Taiwan? I think this uh, requires uh, uh, political wisdom from Washington, uh, Beijing and uh, Taiwan's uh, two political parties. They need to tackle such a crisis, uh, potential crisis, uh, in, in advance. Otherwise, uh, once uh, the, the tensions uh, erupted uh, or escalated uh, or because escalated to a crisis, then it will be a little late or too late to uh, handle it. Does China or even Taiwan know that the U.S. is playing a Taiwan card? Of course. China needs uh, U.S. Uh, agricultural products, including yellow beans uh, and, uh, and many other agricultural products from the United States. China also knows that uh, uh, President Trump uh, is anxious uh, to play the Taiwan card against China during the campaign. But uh, they I also have a confidence that uh, uh, once uh, the election is over, uh, Trump will change his tongue, uh, more or less. Yeah. Uh, Taipei also knows that the U.S. is playing a Taiwan card. Now, how does Taipei maintain the balance so that it uh, will not disrupt the relations with Beijing? Uh, According to my observation, uh, I think uh, Taiwan, uh, particularly Taiwan leader, uh, President Tsai Ing-wen, also take a very cautious and deliberate uh, approach uh, toward uh, possible military attack from China. Uh, Because uh, maybe a couple of months ago, uh, Taiwan is uh, trying to 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 get involved in the Hong Kong uh, incident. But uh, later on, uh, Taiwan 
uh, changed uh, uh, lower its tone against China on, on the Hong Kong issue. And this is uh, one indicator that uh, that uh, suggests uh, Taiwan is also uh, trying to take a very cautious step toward China. So Taiwan is, in a way, is taking a softer stance right now on the yeah. Hong Kong issue. Is in, this in, in in the beginning, China, China would even say that uh, she she would change the Hong Kong and Macau clauses against China. But later on, she changed her mind and by only setting up office, which used to be an office established by my angel to handle the issue of Hong Kong. Professor Chen, U.S. Ambassador to China Terry Brunstad is stepping down following President Trump's ask to help him with this campaign. But some also say it is because of a controversy over an article China's People's Daily News refused to post. What do you think? I think uh, uh, People's Daily refusing to post this article uh, may be the last show uh, to, to help him to decide that leave this country because uh, he found himself uh, he has a little thing to do on the U.S.-China relations. And of course, uh, the state uh, in Beijing for more than three years uh, proves that uh, he does not uh, have um, many things to do because uh, the U.S. and China uh, are engaging in a long-term trade war and a technological war. You're listening to Underline, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong, and today I'm speaking with Professor Edward Yishin Chen, a professor emeritus of Temkang University at the Department of Diplomacy and International Relations. Now, this time, KMT pulls out of Cross-Strait Forum after a Chinese TV comment that former legislative speaker Wang Jinping leading the KMT's delegation to China to plead for peace. Now, does it mean that the dialogue between Taiwan and China will also be suspended? Uh, I think uh, uh, this may be a a setback for both uh, uh, Taiwan and China because uh, Wang Jinping... Uh, was uh, advised not not to attend cross trade forum uh, because CCTV's uh, anchor, uh, female anchor, criticized the one uh, is uh, the guy who come to Beijing for peace. Uh, and I think uh, this this is something that many KMT uh, supporters uh, are not willing to see. But uh, this is only a setback. And the short-term setback. In the long run, I think uh, the KMT will continue uh, to find uh, a better opportunity to to change uh, the relationship between uh, Chinese Communist Party and uh, KMT. So that means that KMT will continue to have the dialogue in the future, despite the fact that this time they are absent from uh, this forum and they have been attending the forum for the last 12 years. Uh, yes, Cambodia's uh, uh, absence uh, may be seen as a very uh, significant uh, embarrassment for China because the uh, Cold Trade uh, Forum is a very important dialogue between Cambodia and uh, uh, CCPC. Uh, but uh, KMT's absence, uh, of course, uh, will hurt uh, the reputation uh, China has uh, uh, established for past uh, 12 years. 
at this time, Kennedy's absence or other small parties' uh, participation uh, will hurt uh, the reputation of China in having such a dialogue uh, across the Taiwan Strait. Who do you think in the future will serve as the peacemaker between Taipei and Beijing? Uh, Wang Jinping is also uh, can also be regarded as a, uh, a very important person who can represent the, the KMT. But other, uh, but we will not exclude others uh, in future. As Washington shows support, more support for Taiwan and Beijing flexes its military muscle for staging a series of military mm-hmm. exercises in September, and PRC jet fighters have for many times entered Taiwan airspace. Now, the messages are very clear for Taipei and Washington. What will happen if there is miscalculations, uh, Professor Chen? For China, I think that uh, it, has, it, it is quite sure that uh, uh, if uh, it uh, does not uh, intend to attack Taiwan, then there will not be a Taiwan Strait crisis. But uh, in the South China Sea or South Sea, China is not so sure because uh, uh, whether uh, there will be a conflict or confrontation will, will largely be decided by the United States. So they worry more about the uh, South Sea uh, rather than Taiwan Strait. Uh, because uh, who has the right or the power to take initiative uh, in launching an attack is very important. So the miscalculation such as Korean War could not happen to Taiwan? Uh, I think uh, we, what we have to, to watch or to observe is uh, to understand more about uh, whether China is, uh, is, is close uh, to reach uh, its uh, uh, long-term goal that is uh, the first battle will be decisive. If uh, China is uh, uh, very close uh, to this goal, Taiwan should also adjust uh, its uh, asymmetrical uh, warfare or uh, reserve army's uh, warfare capabilities uh, in to meet the challenge from the from China. Mm-hmm. I think all sides should take a step back. Uh, Washington, Taipei, and Beijing, because October marks the 70th anniversary mm. of the Korean War. Now, Professor Chen, what can we all learn from the Korean War so that nothing like that will happen across the Taiwan Strait or in the South China Sea? Uh, in, indeed, 70 years ago, the U.S. Uh, President Truman and uh, his Secretary of State, Edison, uh, uh, claimed that uh, Taiwan and uh, South Korea uh, are not a part of uh, it's a part of a U.S. Uh, protection area. So uh, China decided to launch an attack uh, on on South, South China, and uh, the 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 Korean War broke out uh, when the United States decided to uh, stop the invasion uh, from uh, China and North Korea. Uh, but uh, but I think. Uh, uh, time has changed now. At that time, Moscow, Beijing, and Washington did not have a sufficient communi- communication channel uh, between them. But uh, nowadays, uh, I think the situation has improved. And uh, even the U.S. and China ha- have not uh, conducted many uh, uh, dialogues uh, uh, in the past uh, uh, one year. 
But uh, I think they still have uh, uh, sufficient uh, communication channels uh, between them. So I think uh, miscalculation may not take place in in the Taiwan Strait. So communication channels are very important. Mm-hmm. Yes, we have been joined on the phone today by Professor Edward Yishin Chen, a professor emeritus of Temkang University, the Department of Diplomacy and International Relations. And Professor Chen obtained his PhD in politics at Columbia University in the U.S. And that wraps up this week's On the Line, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Thank you for listening to us next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.